0: Well, hello and welcome to the 156th episode of the Adoption Bostering Podcast. We've cast aside any pretense of high energy. We are who we are. And we can't do that. (laughs) My name name is Al Coates and his name is...
1: Scott Casson Rennie. I I like these openings where we just set the tone from the start. Today's maybe not so high energy as the last couple have been. But we're (laughs) still
0: here. We're still chirpy. We're still chipper. Still chipper, still chipper. Laugh a song and a joke in it, mate. And um, how are you, Scott, yeah. on this fine day?
1: Busy, but all good. Just returned back from my week away. Yeah.
0: Excellent, excellent, excellent. Well, and I've got a few that things coming up next That there, England. I've got a few things coming up next week. I'm off to the House of Parliament on Tuesday, mm-hmm. and I'm good for the VAA, which is the no, CVA, Consortium of Voluntary Adoption yeah. Agencies. Um, and they've got a report about how adoption is freaking awesome. Um, and then on Thursday night, I'm going to, to a well, that's what it is. It's you know, I, I maybe okay. do a live from there. I'll do a live from Parliament, live from Parliament. Um, and then I'm gonna go to a book opening because I'm in London. So I'm gonna there's a book opening for Square Pegs about uh, school oh, yeah. refusers, and I mm-hmm. thought that'd be really interesting. Um, but I, yeah. I'll not I'll not touch the champagne and I'll just stick to the canapes because we know how that all ends, don't we? Yeah, we know. Oh, please. Yeah. Yeah. You need a stretcher to get you home if you start yeah. on that. A Blimey. chaperone and a stretcher. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, I'm still not convinced that the, when we used to have the National Adoption Week awards and stuff, I'm not sure that was actually alcoholic Prosecco. I think that was non-alcoholic because it never used to affect you back
0: then. Uh, is that sat and worried on plays on your mind for years yeah it does every day it pops in and i think how does i not anyway yeah another time
1: that's another i don't that's know, another, that's I don't another know. Day. I'm,
0: I'm a i'm a freak i think we can yeah yeah we can well. we can sit comfortably in the knowledge that i'm a genuine freak um right so a, a couple of things we've just um t- today we recorded a podcast with adoption counts wow didn't we have fun then we have fun
1: yeah we did actually though they were really good and i just turned up as ever and actually it was a really great chat um about maintaining relationships and uh because I didn't really know the pretense before before I the podcast which you, is you nothing just new. Up Scott? Did you not I read think, the notes? You know what? Scott? Sometimes sometimes notes. I think sometimes, sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes that's actually a good thing, just to come in blind and then not know and then go, Oh, okay, so yeah. we're talking about this. And then, you know, and, and my ideas flow better if I deal with it like that, believe it or not. Yeah. And my question. For so anyway, me
0: but yeah, writing great. the show notes clearly. The the wow. hours of research and thought mm. that goes into the show notes that you then choose not to look at. Thank you, Scott.
1: Well, crack on, because you you then translate them into you know the show notes for the podcast. So, I mean, let's face it, I'm the talent. Yeah. You know,
0: there's there's no
1: getting away from it.
0: So. <laughs> yeah, damned by faint praise by comparison to me. Yeah, I'm just I'm the of my boyish good looks,
1: organ grinder monkey. <laughs> 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 I'm the performing monkey. <laughs> you are just the organ grinder well, that chips in now and again.
0: In this podcast, you were. <laughs> I told you what to do when you did it. I know.
1: Yes, I know. It's like it, you know. It's like one of those bullies at school that says, "Go and kick him" or do that. And I went. Ask and did this it. question.
0: Uh, Ask this question. Yeah. So Scott asked yeah. his favorite question. It was really good. I don't think we need to preamble it. What I think is really no, good, though. We don't. We don't no. <laughs> But what it, well, is really good? It's really good to hear from practitioners, and that's where we yes. we often will get like a head of a service or an academic mm-hmm. practitioners. Yeah. So it was really yeah. tangible. We do this, and yeah. this is why we do it. So that, I think it's yeah. a really good interview. It stands alone, it and um, yeah, they were great, so they were was great, great laugh as well. Yeah, Vicky and Claire from Adoption Counts, two social workers, yeah. family finds that kind of thing. And um, Scott, yeah. just. Uh, I know you're probably by the time this is out, which you're probably going on holiday. I have no idea where you're going. Didn't you probably told me? Didn't pay any attention. Where are you going in February?
1: I'm going on holiday. That's all you need to know. All right. If you didn't pay attention the first time, I'm not going to share it again because it's just not worth my oxygen. Uh, Clacton. That's
0: Butlins. The one. Yeah, yeah. Butlins
1: yeah. in February. Yeah. I'm, of yeah. course, I'm going to Clacton Butlins in February. I'm not even sure there is a Butlins in Clacton anymore. To be fair, it's more likely but to it's be. A, um, up um,
0: further north. Them, anyway, we're, we're slightly off point. Anyway, so you, you're yeah. away, So we're putting. So we don't. There might be some current news. The thing that I think is interesting, mm. and you you highlighted this to me, and I was a bit like, Whoa, "What? What?" Mm, so this yes, is,
1: I did, didn't I?
0: Yeah. So this is about the all-party parliamentary groups. It's back in the news again. It is. Um, I made it a thing. <laughs> yeah, you did make it a thing, and I. And then someone who was in charge of the Twitter account sort of tweeted it out and said, "Well, hang on." If we've got the all party, the APPG on adoption of yeah. permanence, mm-hmm. if the secretariat are paying for that, mm-hmm. is there any, do we need to know if, that you know, that was money given to people to run that to kind of influence policy? Yes. But uh, mm. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I'm just saying, do we need to know? Do we need transparency yeah. when you've got an organization like Home for Good and Adoption UK, who are clearly pro-adoption. In a context where lots of other people are saying, "Eh, Uh, we need to think about that. I don't know.
1: Well, um, I mean, I've got to reply to an email, but we've got a proposed date for the new CEO of Adoption UK. Maybe that's something that we can ask her. (gasps) Have we got an email? Yeah, we've got an email. It came in yesterday, but I was traveling, so I couldn't reply to it. Um, And and what's interesting... the, well, the APPG just... thing, yeah, the APPG thing has been brought up by some very notable kind of um, people, has not it? One of
0: them's a the Lord. So you know, yeah. Um... Well, it's a cross-party criticism. So it's the leader of the House, and I think the leader of the concept have said, "Well, yeah. oh, hang on, are we, are yeah. we, um, are we degrading the quality of parliamentary time and reports when we're mm-hmm. using these as a tool to get for lobbying groups to get what they want yeah. said?" Exactly. So it's interesting. Mm, um it's and it but it reflects the position that adoption is in, maybe. I mean general maybe, politics, yeah.
1: but adoption. But yeah, we'll I find mean Bear in mind it's not the, the APPGs aren't just adoption, <laughs> there's lots of different topics under there. So it's not just a you know, it's not just related to adoption,
0: but for yeah. us it is, obviously, because that's what we're but, we're interested in. Yeah, but this one it means because the secretariat of that APPG on adoption permits were home for good and adoption UK. I'm not I don't think there's anything particularly nefarious about that. But no. the transparency, did they pay for that? Did mm. they pay the salaries or did they contribute to Or was, did they just pay the admin? You know, if they just paid the admin, yeah. <clears throat> then that, in this context, I think, regardless that maybe this is the moment where they tell us what they did so that they can mm. disassociate themselves from some yeah. of these more unscrupulous ones. Where, yeah, unscrupulous you know,
1: like, ones. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I worked at Adoption UK when the APBG came in and, you know, I wasn't aware of anything untoward I would have thought untoward yeah. anyway in yeah. terms of funding because if it was if there's funding issues then we would have been looking for funding for it um, you know would it be a charity so yeah yeah, be, yeah let's ask Emily which comes on I'm sure she'll be able yeah. to because the,
0: yeah. then it's the opportunity to maybe distinguish yourself away from the corrupt ones that have got like a sniff of corruption so do it yeah. you know either way transparency yeah. did you pay yeah. for it and if you know did you just pay for the pencils you know fine mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. someone's or, got a pay or you the pencil. Paid for pencil. Yeah, exactly. Oh, was it, you know, or was it, you know, you know, Fragra and um <laughs> and yeah. Bollinger at half time? You know, I don't know. Oh you never don't get it. So you know I don't <clears> even be, know what to it is. To be fair, if
1: I thought that was going on, I would have been sniffing around that <laughs> straight away.
0: <laughs> <laughs> hang on, hang if, on.
1: If I had a whiff that there was anything like Bolly or vove clique or even Moe, <laughs> I would have my <laughs> even more Yeah. I would have I would have been in there like a rat down a drain pipe to be fair. Even
0: lambrini, do you remember like Yeah, cheap. well anything.
1: Anything with a bit of with a bit of bubble in it. Yeah, I'd been I'd have been there. Oh you're a cheap <laughs> You're a cheap <laughs> debt. Do you Champion. know what? If it comes out that they do have champagne, then I've missed a trick. Missed a trick all that time that I was working there
0: well from by the time this goes out i'll have been to my events so i'm going to take a picture of myself next to every champagne glass i can find mm-hmm. yeah why not yeah that i'm that assuming said,
1: there's going to be champagne there it might not be that kind of event
0: oh, i think the book launch you would expect champagne well i've been
1: to a book launch and it's like no champagne but um there's been like wine and you know things but not champagne look
0: isn't champagne just fizzy wine
1: well, kind of,
0: but it's yeah. Anyway, that's a different that's, that's a different that's podcast for a different discussion. Yeah, it's a complete but, podcast. Yeah, yeah, we'll continue this afterwards, shall we? Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. Will you educate Maybe. me when you when when we go to Thailand because we were still planning Back. to go to Thailand? Yes. You can mm-hmm. give me a full day's lecture with PowerPoint slides. On. <laughs> <laughs> we'll if record it for holes. YouTube. <laughs> 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 like, yeah. Yeah. I, these I, are the I, things you're allowed to drink. <laughs> I'll get speakers
1: allowed. in. So, Paula. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Jacob, uh, the, who was, you know.
0: Yeah. Tester. <laughs> Little testers for me. This is, yeah. yeah. Oh, let's do and it. Then,
1: let's... And then we'll pour you into bed. <laughs> Literally.
0: <laughs> Air ambulance and leave you back to the UK. I yeah. uh, <laughs> mean, yeah. Well, I think we've had far too much fun. This is a great. Yes, grip. we have great interview and we begged them yeah. to come back on though one of them did admittedly run away after we chatted yeah. um, she claimed her internet went down but i think it was just absolute fear yeah probably especially the registration that i asked last. <laughs> oh yeah that question oh well, <laughs> well look after yourself pop it and um, have a great holiday wherever you're going um minehead prostatin <laughs> you've been Prestatyn's got a butlins or a pontins i've been to prostatin pontins
1: yeah skeggy Skag- would be more local in terms of you know family and friends going so but i'm not right. going skeggy i'm not going to pontins i'm not going to butlands you know so but i'm oh. just not telling you because you're, you're clearly not interested i tell you about names of people that i'm staying with and stuff and you're like who are they and i'm like i've told you this before you were at our wedding they were at our wedding you had a really lovely chat with them Um yeah. you're friends with them on facebook <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> There's just no point. Whereas I know I know you're inside that leg like measurement, never forget,
0: you know, so there you go. Yeah, whatever. Right, yeah. rock and roll. Okay, well, uh, as always, bon jovi. And jovi. Today we're speaking to Vicky dijon Glue and Claire Hardman uh, from Adoption Counts. Uh, and so hello.
2: Hi, good morning and thanks for speaking to us today.
0: You're welcome. Which um,
1: which surname was harder for you to say, Al, because you seem to struggle with Hardman. He yeah. did, didn't he? It? It? It, did. you
0: know, it was one of the things where I thought, it's Hardman, but then I thought, no, it's not. And so then I had to go and look. So so we've created a, a lovely, um, safe environment for people to talk freely. and <laughs> um, so, Claire and Vicky, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, and you're both social workers for Adoption Counts. Yeah, so tell us a little bit about yourselves before we get into the nuts and bolts. So, Vicky, you tell us a bit about yourself.
2: Okay, so I'm a family-finding social worker for Adoption Counts. Um, I've worked for Adoption Counts since the start. Prior to that, I worked on the adoption team at Manchester um, before we went into the RA. and I've done all sides of it, um, the recruitment and assessment, the assessments of adopters, Family finding, a little bit of adoption support in there as well. And before that, I was in the
0: district. Thank you, Claire.
3: Yeah, um, yeah, social, experienced social worker as well, adoption through and through. That's where I originally came from before we became a RAW. And then spent some time doing end of life care as well for adults, which was an absolute privilege. But I really, really missed children and families, so I had to come back and join Adoption Counts when it had been up and running for a couple of years, and um, things had been smoothed out a little bit, so um, I settled in quite nicely.
1: (laughs) You waited till it was all there before you (laughs) came. Yeah,
3: yeah, but uh, all good.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think it's interesting you use the word rah. Is, um oh, where yeah. I live so oh, in in uh, no 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 where I live in Ireland that's um quite a you know a, a, something you wouldn't say um <laughs> it means other other things um is that something that you all call it because um, we all I, I I myself and I would always say raa but yeah I'm yeah, just interested yeah. to to get if that's something that's um within the organisation?
3: Oh, I'll have to think now. Yeah, mm. I think it's just something I definitely say. No one's ever uh, pointed it out before. No.
1: So. I, it's probably just because I live in Ireland and <laughs> Ra means something else in Ireland. <laughs> we don't want to go there. Not in this podcast, either. Anyway. <laughs> Leave that to them. Leave that to the political side of uh, Ireland versus the UK to, to work through. <laughs> well, I've got to say it because we,
0: well, we, be- we, we do have Irish listeners, you know
2: we'll be more conscious in future about
0: using that word yeah. That's it. wow this is a hard-hitting interview this isn't it we're really we're really digging deep now aren't we yeah yeah sorry anyway, we've not even um right. so i mean first thing is I, I can't recall how many social workers we get practicing social workers we've had mm-hmm. on the podcast you're probably our first two if we've had more than five uh social workers are really reluctant to come on that. <laughs> i don't know why um <laughs>
1: Probably
0: the Uh, reputation would be, yeah, normally coming on here. Yeah, but so thank you for coming on. I really appreciate that because I know that, you know, we live in a really complicated social media world where, you know, we can be easily misconstrued. But so we're not going to we're not going to try and misconstrue you. And the reason I invited you on was because I was at a meeting about maintaining family links and you both came on and you did a presentation in relation to some of the work that Adoption Counts is doing. Um, And I just thought, wow. I know this stuff goes on, but it seems like you had a really coherent narrative around that work and a real, there was a real sense of forwards, momentum, a progressive, but very, but very careful approach. So could you just, uh, I don't know, either a question to either of you, really, what is, you know, what is the work you're doing? What, you know, we would maybe call it contact, but what are you calling it? What are you are doing? What's going on? Claire, do you want to
2: jump in or should I? You start, you start, Vicky. So, so we've had a group since 2018. So initially, what we did was we, um, we attended a conference with Julie Young um, from the University of East Anglia. And it got us thinking about what we want for our children and what we want for our families, both birth families and adoptive families um, for the future. So we started our group. And we did make some progress in terms of we've never found the right word for contact or maintaining relationships. But we would our move was to make sure that the families coming through for adoption were prepared for the future and that they were open to the right. idea of maintaining those relationships um, and it was that how do we do that really and that group looked at how we do that through every part of our process um, starting at the beginning from the very front door so one of the initial things that we did as part of that group was we used to call it a one-off meeting with birth parents Mm -hmm. And what we did was we took that one off away because why should it just be a one off if that's, you know, if it's one off is what is needed, then that's fine. But it just felt so prescriptive in terms of this is what you do and then it's done and then it's forgotten. Um, And also made sure that it was an expectation for all families coming through that they will meet birth parents rather than,
3: you know, if it's, you know,
0: depending on who it
3: is. And that was done from, careful of words our front door really so from our recruitment management team to the people that are responding to emails and those first initial phone calls is setting adoption counts tone and expectations for our children and I think that was just a real shift as well for our recruitment assessment workers in terms of the language they used during initial visits and those early assessment sessions. And it did take a while to see that come through in the prospective doctors reports that were coming to panel and being signed off by our agency decision maker. So when we kind of get these conversations going, it takes us back a little bit that people are looking at us to see what we're doing because we feel we're only doing small steps but actually they mm. are actually making a huge difference for our children and our families Um we're still learning as Vicky said you know we've got a long way to go um, and we do welcome people's feedback, feedback and input um, but yeah I think having the group set up the way it was arranged was we had our head of service at the time Sue and now Gail Spray write down Um, to ourselves as family finders and across the board so it's all parts of adoption council involved in this it isn't a standalone practice just for family finders because we're matching it's taken Mm. a whole team effort to bring our whole agency together and agree that this is something that's really important for our children and families.
0: Has there been a nervousness around that because it's a phrase I heard and I can't remember where I heard it quite now but there was this idea that we don't want to scare the horses that If if we're pulling people into adoption at a time when there's all the challenges to adoption, that is that something, you know, the question was, is that going to put people off coming forward for adoption? And the counter argument was well, if it is, then fine. Yeah. They're not not ready for it. So what was was the last conversation?
3: Well, with our marketing officer and how our website's designed with the advice of our adoption support staff is what information should we have on there in terms of what do we mean by contact and what that looks like for our children. And it is just, I think, that very gentle introduction for people at the start of their adoption journey about what we would expect and hope for our children. Um, So, I feel that you need to be open and transparent with our perspective adopters if you want to come through us be assessed through us and have our children this is what we hope and expect in return I've not had any negative feedback have you Vicky no I haven't had negative feedback I think you know some people
2: raise concerns and sometimes it's the social workers because it's been done in a certain way for so long um that you know they've learned from somebody else and I think it's just about challenging those ideas and giving people the time to think about what it actually means what does contact mean or what does that relationship mean and helping them really to think that through about why they're scared of it maybe or you know nervous maybe is a better word Mm.
1: I mean, I was going to ask about that in terms of um, thinking back to 16, 17 years ago when I first approached an adoption agency and, you know, it wasn't really talked about until you were on the prep course, this, this potential that you may have to meet the birth parents, you may not. Um, The Contact was, was kind of very binary in terms of what it, what it meant. Um, So, I mean, I'm thinking what, if, if I'd heard that from the front door, would that put me off? Probably not. But it must put a lot of people off. And secondly, how do you how do you kind of share some of the positives and negatives without, again, putting people off? I mean, what is what is the message? I mean, I know we can go on your website and have a look at that. But, you know, if you're sitting in a prep group say as an example you know do you have someone come in who's experienced direct contact what we call direct yeah. contact I, I use my yeah. fingers in the air when I'm saying that but you know what I'm saying it's just so people can define it um, I mean is that something that you do do you have a birth parent yeah. come in do you have a you know adopted we parent do. do you have a child we do yeah. yeah so
3: even just our open events um, we do normally have our Claire, our recruitment manager leading in those but a family finder will also attend or a recruitment worker so that first um, point of call with adoption counts she do you get a flavor of the work that we're doing but then our preparation groups as well um, family finders uh, guest speakers as well as our foster carers our adopters and um, we try and have that in person rather than video because it does hit home harder when we have that so we do all appreciate that's gone back to being in person
1: mm.
0: have I you think- had
3: any birth any birth families talk vicky at your prep training we haven't had any birth families talk um I think
2: no we have no we haven't I think what we did that video as part of our group we did a video which looked at the perspective from all different sides and actually had um families there talking about the contact between them Mm. um which obviously it's not as good as it being in person um, but it's often hard to get people to do that because people have busy lives don't they yeah
1: Mm. yeah
2: But Um, we are open about the expectation.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I I always wonder, um, and I don't know where I'd heard this um, articulated again, I I hear lots of things and just don't pay attention to where I am. Just pick stuff out there
1: that you've heard and just try (laughs) and put it into this little theme.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Honestly, if you could be in my head for three minutes. Um, (laughs) So I often wonder whether the hypothetical Oh yeah, that's a good idea. A preparation. How does that then translate into the reality? When, because sometimes I think that the reality is that then you've got children, you've got a story, and something that story is not is well, the story is tragic. Regardless of why a child has to come into come adoption, it's tragic and and gruesome at times. Does that then create a different conversation, or, or are people do people become more or less reluctant to engage with that? those meetings with family
3: i think each little one needs that time as a family finder because we get involved so early in our children's journey um during the court proceedings we get to know them and the foster family really well know their needs know the birth family via the social worker um so we do have a really good insight into their understanding and what we feel they need moving forward for themselves and it is unique to each child's circumstances we don't have a one size fits all we need to look at what's realistic for them but also taking into account the birth family's situation what support they need what support Mm. will they have ongoing um and also the adopters expectations what's there um thought process being from the right begin from their journey what they learned and developed and understood and it's drawing all these different aspects together with the child social worker the local authority to hopefully bring up and draw a plan that meets that child's needs so i do think each one takes a lot of time and consideration a lot of discussion a lot of reflecting we have a adoption psychology and adoption support that we can go to for consultations to look at and unpick certain elements that might need further thinking. Um, But ultimately, we know that things change and need reviewing. Um, As an agency, I hope Gail doesn't mind, I think it's quite clear, (laughs) we don't have the support in place post adoption for workers to support direct contact you know we need an element of those families coming together working together for their child Um, and that that doesn't always work again we need to keep an open mind but the meeting of the birth families right at the beginning the first step we don't find much resistance at all we do find as family finders it's key we work with our social workers to get the best outcome for that child and the family adoptive and birth and we normally get really positive outcomes from our birth family meetings it's not limited to just birth parents either aunts uncle's grandparents siblings I've had adopters go and meet siblings at their foster home because that's where the children wanted to meet their younger siblings adopters very positive very relaxed um so it's looking at each different element in trying to get
0: the best outcome for all. Yeah Um, I mean that's that's really encouraging what I find interesting is I'm part of some sort of adopter support groups like online support groups and I just you know look around because I'm an adopter Um, and what is interesting is quite often people who are at that stage of meeting family they're sort of you'll see with real regularity I'm meeting birth mum but whoever what questions should I ask and there's a Mm -hmm but there's and there's never i very rarely see i can't think of any instance where i've seen people say oh you shouldn't do it it's always we did it it was amazing it was difficult broke yeah. my heart
1: yeah
0: but never negative yeah. and is that is that the overall experience is what, what sort of feedback are you getting from pe- from birth parents as well because that's, that's very different my, experience yeah
2: that's my experience i've um i've never had anybody say i wish i hadn't have done that even when it has been really really difficult and emotional um Mm. but people really you know do benefit from that both adopters and birth parents as well um i what i've been doing recently seen as you know as, as restrictions have been lifted i've been going with the social worker to meet with the birth parents when we've identified a family um to talk to birth family because often the social worker goes in there and they might not have the best relationship because it's at the end of the proceedings and you know all those feelings are still quite raw but just to make contact with the birth parents and explain that we want to work together and um, for the best possible outcome whether that's you know letterbox contact or letters photographs um, meetings but it's about that preparation really and birth parents really do feel the benefit of that we've had parents who have maybe disengaged a little bit because they've been really hurt at the end of the proceedings Uh, and and that's been a way of you know coming forward and saying but you know they would like to meet you if it's not the right time now we could revisit that and that's been something that the birth parent said no I really want to do that now um and been really positive about that even amongst you know all that
3: feeling that they've got about the situation um I mean, sit, yeah, sitting in those meetings, it's emotionally charged. You, yeah. you can just feel it, and all the preparation that's done before. We do ideally ask for questions to be shared before, so no one comes into any surprises. Everyone's prepared. We think about the venue, the the care needed before and after for both parties, and to make sure that no one's just left holding any thoughts and feelings. But when you hear a birth relative say they're nice people, I'm so glad, and then you can just just see a little bit of them relax, and you, we know then that is going to increase the chances of their contact arrangements working because they've met, they've made that. I suppose it's a connection, isn't it? A human touch, human connection, mm-hmm. um, and adopters come away because they've read the child's permanence report, they've been to all the meetings and heard X, Y, and Z as to why their child now has a a plan of adoption. And yet they meet the other half, the birth relatives, and they all say, oh, wow, they're so vulnerable. I just didn't sense that, you know, from a written report to see the human in that. And it is as a family finder knowing that those feelings will never go away for those adopters when they're sharing their life story in the letters. There's always that they will always remember that meeting, whether it's 15 minutes or some of yeah. them are much longer because everyone does get on. Um yeah. But as family founders again we ask where possible photographs are taken for the child's life story book so that they can see that um that the the questions are written up and recorded so the child and the adopters have those copies. Um But we also try and make sure that that aftercare is there for that birth relative, that they're not just left with those feelings. um, Whether that's through the social worker or their network, we work closely with PAC UK as well in terms of their their team supporting birth parents. Um, But I always say to my adopters when I'm family finding, if it isn't now, as Vicky said, at any point in the future... And it isn't a one-off meeting. It may be that your child's placed, and we have this initial flurry of let's meet the, the birth relatives. But actually, as you get to know your children, you want to go back and just check in with mm. the birth family. Yeah. Um. And just recently, we had a fun day. It was only at the weekend, and um, uh, she's now a manager in our service. Was saying, oh, she had approved and matched a family, good five six years ago. So they're still little primary school children, and they came to our fun day. And she said, Oh, I had to just meet mum. We've just had to do direct contact and they'd only had letterbox going for a couple of years from placement. And this adopter's just grown with this need of why not? Do you know it's the best for her and her children? Mm. It was the best outcome at this time. So it's just really positive to hear that adopters are starting to be more open and thinking of their child long term and how best. And why not embrace the wider birth family in some way?
1: Hmm. I mean, as a family, we were sadly never lucky enough to meet birth parents on two different families as well, by the way. Um, um, And it's just a coincidence that that never happened um, for various reasons. But what I find interesting is um, my older two are now adults and we've met um, their sister and brother. there's 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 more than just that, but we've met the the older sister and brother who they were with before um, the kind of care proceedings, and you know they went. Um, and what struck me about meeting them was just how much of an extension of our family they were, because we've got the photographs, because mm. we've got the stories, because they're in the life story, because they're, you know they're they're in the, 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 the well gratefully they're threaded through their lives when they were placed with us, um, and we did feel a certain level of responsibility for them when we were meeting them. Is that something that you're finding as well, that there's that kind of extension of family that, that you know, it's maybe not the, the most ideal family to have, but actually there is a connection there. And it's something that drives mm. forward that need to keep in contact, to keep in touch, to share, to, you know, safely as possible. Um, is that something that you're finding as well?
2: I think we're finding it more and more. um, Mm. And I think that's because the work, the preparation is done right at the start about how important, you know, families are really. And people are more open to it. They're doing, you know, a lot more research, talking to other people and seeing that actually this is quite normal a normal thing to do and why why wouldn't you really you know when children are placed for adoption they suffer so many losses and if you can minimize the number of people they lose especially you know sibling relationships are so important mm-hmm. but at the, at the minute I'm working with a family and we are looking at direct contact in the future with birth parents and these adopters turned around and sort of said they're their family You know, um, if anything happened to us, hopefully, you know, they would be able to have some role in supporting the children in the future. And they want that relationship with the birth families.
3: Mm
1: -hmm.
3: And I think the same applies to foster carers as well. Now we're doing the three stage of introductions that that we're maintaining that link with the foster carers. And Mm. the feedback I'm receiving from both adopters and foster carers is, I can't believe in the past we would sort of say to foster carers, no, do you know, let the child settle. We'll review we'll in three months, six months if, do you know, a visit. And they're all coming back to us with the, the foster carers, where they have to place children for adoption time and time again. Their sense and loss and grief is managed, that they know that those children aren't just disappearing into abyss, that they've built that relationship with the adoptive family. And the adopters are really welcoming that connection where, yeah. for example, if birth parents are not able to engage at the time and the little one's being placed right from hospital. And some people are saying they're almost like extended grandparents or aunts and uncles Yeah. yeah. had one little one transition from traditional foster carer to foster to adopt carers. And they've been invited to birthday and Christmas parties and they the foster to adopt carers were meeting birth mum who hadn't been around for about six or so months. And they asked the traditional foster carers, would you babysit so we can both go and meet birth mum? I mean, that for the child, you know, that continuity, no introduction of new people into a life at the time. Yeah. And both adopters then got to meet birth mom. It was a win-win for everyone, but ultimately the child that we've been able to maintain that relationship.
0: It seems really odd that we've been. I mean, I look back at because like like Scott, my adop- first adoption was well, it was in the last century. That's how long ago, <laughs> um, and and the messaging was totally different. And it was very much this idea of you know you you make a psychological break, an emotional, physical break, and you move on. Um, mm-hmm. And then, and just at any expense, not you know, remind the child of what happened. You just go, but that's not how we wired, and it's not how children live. And and I and I reflect on on in normal families, your know, children go and visit their auntie, and then they don't want to come home and they cry, um, and and we wouldn't even think about, oh my goodness, we must never see our auntie again. You yeah. just go, well, she likes her auntie, and she didn't want to come home because she was having fun, um, or a grandparent. And so it seems like we're. It, it seems like we're normalizing a lot of those relationships, and just that children can hold these contexts as normal. Is that does that seem fair?
3: I, I do, and um, Vicky, you might need to remind me where the the quote came from, but it was a young person when we were setting up this working yeah. group in adoption counts, where he says, "I have two families in my head." And there's there's no getting away from that, whether you're a baby or an older child, you will always know, won't you, deep down in in your bones almost. And it's just giving that child that respect of, yes, you have, and this is how it works for us, whatever the arrangements are between your adoptive and your birth family. And it is just breaking down and dispelling those myths of uh, some adopters are super honest that they've held, some thoughts and judgments about birth families and why their children have come through to adoption and I think the work that we do as family finders when we're meeting our families through the matching process and then the work we do with the foster carers and the social workers everyone's giving a consistent message everyone knows each person and and any vulnerabilities and we're and we're as open and transparent as we can be so that those adopters can then make the right decision for what will be their child. They can make that informed decision. But it's on the back of our experience and knowledge um, that we would encourage and promote that, maintaining that relationship for that child.
0: Can I then oh, maybe God. ask a counter question? Sorry, just it, because we're, we're sort of working on the presumption that adoptive, that birth families are not dangerous. Yeah. But there mm. are, I mean... I, I don't know whether you can make you could give it like a percentage, you know, 20% of the birth families, We, must, but there are, there still remains a portion of birth families where actually contact is genuinely in not in the best interests of children. And how do you manage that then if you've gone, if you've set people up, like we're going to do contact and then to say, actually, not this one. Yeah. How does that work?
2: I think that's part of the journey we're on really is that you know we're we're learning as we go along because even if a family are dangerous I'm sure that you know there are ways that you could still manage contact um, and maintain some form of contact okay maybe you're not going to meet them person to person maybe photographs aren't appropriate for one reason or another but I guess it's about us being creative really because every child deserves to have that information mm. in what form. And obviously if you totally denied that part of their identity, if the family's dangerous and they go off to find, maybe yeah. the risk is greater of, you know, the unknown really. So yeah. I guess we've just got to do it on a case by case basis.
0: I, well, no, the reason I ask is because um, quite often we've been accused of being um, pro contact and um, uh, criticized in that sense um but i think that that like you said there's an element of we can find a way i, I get an example from our own life is that there's there's my children's some of my children's biological mum and dad should never meet my children but they've yeah. got an auntie who's all right and she was able to hold this she was yeah. able to safeguard and she was a window into the, the community yeah. and she could say she could tell she could fill in the gaps and yeah. and you know and it became an open door relationship you know she would come around for tea on a, on a Monday afternoon and yeah but there was but she she was in I think to really it is it's that, well why not sorry
3: yeah no and it, and it is it's 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 knowing our getting our social workers to really get to know the birth relatives and who is in that network and really exploring if for example the people have been ruled out they're not in position to provide that long-term care for the child I'm always asking, well, what can they do in terms of life story? Are they going to meet the adopters? Yeah. Are they going to share photographs from when, if the birth parent's not engaging, when the birth parent was young, what did they look like? I am constantly a bit like a dog with a bone. What else can I get for this child? What else can we get? Because I feel if you don't ask and you you don't know, do you? And then ultimately, no. I would never want one of my children to potentially come and read a file and be like, well, what did they do? they just, you know, if this was the so-called vulnerability and then it was just full stop I would want to know well did they ask this did they try this and I it suppose it's maybe we won't get the ideal that we're all searching for and looking for but at least the child would have a full explanation of what yeah. was tried and what mm-hmm. our concerns were at the time but the things can be reviewed by our particularly yeah. by our adoption support team. Do you know they do review when people's circumstances change um but just before joining, we've got a, a Family Finder's Teams chat because uh, we're not all in the office, and someone was looking to see if anyone had done a visit to a birth parent in prison because the adopters are wanting to visit birth parent in prison, and it's like, why not? Do you know? We need to get hold of the prison, find out what their rules and regulations are. But that's been driven again by an adopter, and no doubt due to the Family Finder advocating that that is a possibility. Um, some people might have just said no, it's not happening. Maybe a telephone yeah. call, but this, this, these adopters want to do it in person, which I mean is amazing. And we don't know the effects that will have on that birth parent in terms of their thinking and engagement later on with services, and hopefully seeing as a valued person in this mm. process as well. Um, so yeah, thank you. Keep trying.
1: Yeah. So what <laughs> seems what seems obvious is that you know. Um, as as professionals within your agency, you very much um are all aligned in your your way of thinking. Um and I'm just thinking back, you know, like language and approach is really important, isn't it? Because if you have one worker and I'll tell you about this when we stop recording, if you have one worker that says something negative about a birth family, because I can't because it relates to my family and it's quite obvious. Um, and he says one one they say they say, you know, something that's really negative, but that actually, it's a judgment of theirs that can really carry through with you for forever. To the point where, you know, well, okay, this hasn't happened, so we won't bother because of that. Um, and I guess that's where the the concern is within the community, and I'm talking about the adoption community about the inconsistencies of this approach that you guys have adopted. Pardon the pun, because it's not you know, it's not normally agency kind of wide, is it? It's normally like a couple of people who will sit there and go, well, mm. you know, I think they should have direct contact. and I, I don't think they should. Yeah. I mean, is that is that true to say, do you think?
2: It, it is agency wide. And I think as family finders, one of the things we do quite early on is we do, we give a lot of advice on writing CPRs, you know, the child permanence reports. And we know that as the relationship between the social worker and the birth parents develops, sometimes it might be really good. Other times it might be really difficult. And I'm always advising people right at the very start to say, write all that, positive stuff down because you know when things get a little bit difficult you might forget that and it needs to be in that report because the children are going to read that about their families you know when later on so they need to know that the the positives are there but also adopters read those reports and they form their judgments on birth families based on those reports so you know we really want a balanced view of who family members are, the positives mm. and you know the negatives
3: there as yeah. well, um, because of that and we, does inform a lot. And we and we do um, life appreciation days in various forms. So it might be one whole yeah. day where the um, adoptive family get to meet all the team around the child, the health. Yeah. Visitor, the school teachers, the nursery workers, independent reviewing officers, and we try in those meetings obviously as much information on the child as is humanly possible, but also to try and bring the the birth relatives alive. And I often say, can you choose three words to describe the birth parents? Do you know, the the yeah. birth siblings. And more often than not, people can think of three nice and kind things to say about someone else. And then again, that's documented for the for the adoptive family to keep, for the child to keep. And know that there may be a, a lot of concerns there were for the judge to make that decision. Yeah. But deep down, you know, there is some positives to be said Um and that might be enough for some children. They may then need more. Um, and that's where our adoption support team are kept very busy <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> promoting that later <laughs> in life. <laughs> and,
2: and in terms of life appreciation days as well, you know, we do try to invite workers who say if, you know, the family maybe birth parent is maybe a care leaver or as a you know a young person worker mm. we'll try to, we'll get consent from parents obviously to invite them but we try to invite them along especially you know when they've got that really good relationship supportive relationship because they can pr- often give us a better picture mm. of who the parents really are really
0: yeah mm. uh, I- I'm conscious that obviously this is this is a well, it's not in its infancy, but it's kind of it's something that's re- well relatively contemporary. um You but we you will have families who adopted you know five six seven ten plus years ago who were thinking, "Oh, we want to reignite some sort of contact," or we come out of a different a different sort of paradigm of way of thinking, and we're trying to. We've been stuck in letterbox hell, which uh, we you know we'll not draw you onto the rocks of letterbox because I think <laughs> you know that's a whole thing, but. Ha- are you in a position to sort of reignite the flames or find the embers of something that maybe died six years ago is that are you are you doing that for your family yeah
3: I think um, there is one example I want Carry who is the one of the Manchester letterbox workers I think spent a year just a little over a year adoptive family came forward and said they would like a possibility to meet mum again and build on that relationship and it did take a year for that piece of work to be done because birth mum was in a different place and needed that Mm. support you need time to reflect and process um but cutting a very long story short the outcome was incredibly positive for all involved and the feedback we've heard through our our group when we meet it was just it was an excellent piece of work that was done yeah for that family with the best outcome but we don't have a lot of carries it's a very small team um yeah. so that is something that our agency is very aware of is that and as our adopters that are coming through more recently since maybe adoption counts is really honed in on this is that the demand for letterbox is almost tripled in that respect because adopters are engaging and birth parents mm. are expecting it as well and then the other end is the children in um, the older children that are being placed or wanting something more creative um so it is it's a big demand that we can't always meet and i think that's where we Vicky and i fall into the unique position now is that we're having to ask families to think differently. Could they manage sending direct emails to the birth relatives? Can they send pre-recorded videos to ease ease the bird on the service? But hmm. for them as adults, of the parents of the children to manage them themselves, that they don't always need the hand-holding. Not every family does need that support, but we are there if things need to be reflected on and changed. And we're having examples of that come through that are working really, really well. And I think that for the child to have one less professional in the life, one less service, and for the wider family, is the best outcome. So we are, as Vicky said at the beginning, we're, we're trying. <laughs> it's oh, not um, always working in some circumstances, no, I mean, but if, uh, if I think to... the effort there and the intentions there.
0: Yeah, if you want to start a fight on internet, you just start to talk about letterbox because people. <laughs> I are was going to say yeah
1: because i was just going to say it's best to be clearing this up now that it's not every family that would go off and do their own thing with contact is it mm-hmm. you know i no. mean that because otherwise there'll be letters coming in uh and you know ofsted will probably be contacted and all that sort of stuff so just, <laughs> just be very clear on that that you don't just let everybody go off and do their own thing no 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 But no. no. well,
3: i think we do with the way the way i'm doing is it at the beginning when at the matching stage so that that creativity is very thought out it's obviously got the local mm. authority involved our adoption team know panel know what they would be recommending and then the agent citizen maker knows yeah. what they are they're signing off to so i think that creativity is done in a very safe environment and mm. then anything later does come through a um, yeah the adoption yeah. support
0: service. Yeah. And I was I was we've just going to so questions. Yeah, no, well I was just gonna <laughs> ask you, because
1: obviously we've had um Carrie and Charlotte who um are a birth parent and an adopted mum who co-parent, well, co parent well I think they called it co parent a child. Um uh, responsibly they they you know they established their own contact they did their own thing etc and that's working reasonably well for them they've got their you know their ups and downs but i also know of other families where it's you know um children return to birth family as a result of direct contact um so i mean i mm. i assume that you've got you know you're you're keeping an eye on this as as the years go on you know it's not yes it's great for here and now but you know in five years time are you you know the, the families that were potentially off doing their own thing as an example you know I'm, I'm i'm being a little bit stingy about this um but you know will you be checking in on them every every now and again to make sure that everything's all right you know that, that you know people are where they should be and yeah. they're not often re- irresponsible you know cocaine snorting yeah. in the park so, yeah, so, you know? so.
3: <laughs> so yeah my <laughs> family <laughs> my, my...
1: <laughs> i didn't take it i didn't take it <laughs> <laughs> <That was> okay <laughs>
3: <laughs> the the family I'm referring to with the ones that um, are, and well they're not going rogue they they are being creative um, <laughs> the the adoption support team is very much aware of them we still yeah. make that letterbox box referral so all the information yeah. all the details are on the system mm-hmm. the work is allocated and both parties adoptive dad in this instance and the birth parents have their named worker to come to but it's that element of for me with this adopter in that with the birth parents. It was an element of trust because yeah. the, obviously the judge made the decision, but in terms of vulnerabilities and so called risk, they felt they were they were manageable based on the evidence of how birth family had respected everybody involved and adhered to agreements and everything. And when the adoptive dad met the birth parents, he got a lot of reassurance that that this could be managed and be done he has traditional letterbox for his older children so he does a very different setting for yeah. them so with this one it's got him thinking out of his box so that support is there of our, our teams aware of the um, the families that are going creative and um, so we do make sure there's some oversight in that
0: respect yeah hmm. uh, I mean it is uh it's such a essential component of contemporary adoption now i'm not going to get you to dob in adoption counts um but do you think it's do you think that enough attention is, is being paid to this across the sector you know obviously you know adoption counts is maybe a would you would you say you're ahead of the game in this or are you what is happening across the you're all you're all you're looking nervous
1: (laughs) (laughs) they're going to say they're going to say oh our wi-fi is playing out disappeared yeah
0: i
2: don't think we're really far ahead we may be ahead of some agencies and behind others
0: that is a great Uh, answer (laughs) <laughs> I'm, <Love it>. uh, <laughs> Boom.
3: I'm going to disagree vicky because remember when we when we went to the conference in london in manchester it did feel that people were looking towards us you know that we were um maybe a little ahead of the game so i i'm going to give us a pat on the back i do think we're ahead but that not that we have all the answers you know we, yeah. we're still learning every day every yeah. child we're still learning um so, yeah, I do think we're a little bit ahead of the game, That's but some. internally, <laughs> yeah, internally, that, like for example, the independent reviewing officers, the social workers, there's still internally a lot of work to be done there mm. because the turnover of staff, do you know, mm. children changing social workers, yeah. people leaving, it. it is, you know, it's a continuous effort just to get home what we feel are very simple key messages for our children. Um, yeah so yeah. we've one step forward maybe two step backs yeah and we've organized we've
2: got oh, a conference yeah, we are, that really? we're organizing um Ooh. and various professionals um will be invited to that um and it's about opening their i guess mind to the possibilities of maintaining those relationships in different ways and the importance of that and we are hoping to have um birth parent come and speak about their experiences with contact and also do some workshops around that so I think IROs are going to be invited um social workers and given the turnover of staff you know there's people who've never done adoption before so
1: mm. and so then people could, who have yeah and um well we'll talk about this afterwards but there may be you know something we can do to help with that as well because um you know we we, we enjoy doing the, the odd um, partnership podcast now and again so
0: yeah and you know. catering services if you need someone to make sandwiches just <laughs> scott. <laughs> so scott can butter bread like no one i've seen thanks
1: for that yes thanks for that um, al. and and um, i was just going to say as well so um obviously we're um al and i um attend to adopt a reference group and as part of that um over the last maybe year 18 months sarah johal has been involved in that as well and obviously mm-hmm. sarah is um the rea can't remember her mm-hmm. official title but anyway lead. yeah rea lead um, and and what's becoming apparent is every rea is doing their own thing that's really going well or they're really you know is, and so hopefully over time you'll see kind of things you know that you you maybe do uh, adoption counts don't do so well being adopted from other areas and then mm-hmm. your idea has been adopted by them i mean that's is, that surely the 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 um, what's the word? I can't remember. I lo- I lose words sometimes. Sorry. Um, yeah, where there's a crossover of, of that sort of thing. I mean, surely that's the aim. That's what it's going to say. The aim of um, you know the yep. the RA's leaders group is to sh- to share kind of stuff like that. And
3: I think that's quite exciting. That yeah. if we can all own a certain area and then learn from each other for mm-hmm. all the children up and down the country they're then getting the absolute best aren't yeah. they the best yeah. service that we can provide to them so if it is that one person's leading in one area and they've done all the hard work we're happy to take that yeah. on board and you know we're yeah. equally happy to share our experience yeah. in what we're doing because ultimately yeah. we're all here for the children aren't we To yeah. to get them the best yeah. outcome
1: and it's easier to do it with 33 RAs than it is to do it with 152 local authorities, let's be honest, you know, exactly. where there's, yeah, you know, yeah. they're, they're kind of clubbing together of stuff, yeah. Mm.
0: Um, we're so, we've used up loads of time and to be honest, this is such a rich vein and we, mm. I think it's really nice because you're so frank and you're you're actually practicing social workers and we, we often get heads of service who are happy to come on, but they usually want it, you know. High level, they're high level. The, well, they're, they're accountable to themselves so they can say yeah. what they want. Mm. Um so it was really nice to have you. Could we ask you a couple of questions that are a little bit off-piste? I mean, yeah. you don't
1: have to answer them. You can always yeah. say no, no, no. comment.
0: <laughs> well, one of mine is perhaps a bigger question, but I, I've got one question, and Scott, Scott's limbering up there because he's got <laughs> yeah, I, I need to, Um yeah oh, Cracking my back and um, everything here. Uh, I mean, we're seeing adoption figures decline. Um, where does, do you think, do you think adoption's got a future? And where does contact, well, maintaining family links, let's get with the words, where does that fit into that picture? What are your thoughts on adoption, the future? What do you think?
3: I'm, um, oh, I i do not know, thinking of is quite, I'm not a forward thinker. I'm very, trying and to try and be very present. But I, as much as I do love a job, adoption, I do feel privileged to do my job. Where a child can remain within their, connected network birth family friends and that is ultimately the best outcome for the mm. child if that family is then supported in what i feel that our adoptive families get that support the top-up training and that ongoing support if that was then provided to some connected families they could then go on to have the best outcome for the children i think when i've worked in a long-term teams where children are in those foster placements those family networks it then gets difficult at a point and i have worked with children that have had to move placement on placement on placement and that is heartbreaking to see mm-hmm. and it's because they've not been supported in which i now see some adopters being p- supported i know there's adopters out there feeling that they're not being supported but yeah it's, it ultimately if it was the adoption wasn't needed because there was other better alternatives for children that be so mm. be it that's the best thing for those children mm. fully support it um but maybe we because we're such a large service we are see, at the moment seeing those children sadly come through um yeah. what do you think Vicky? Now
2: I think there's probably always going to be a need for adoptive families for some children I do think that adoption needs to be modernised and we find a way to work moving forward that encompasses all elements, adoption, birth parents. I do feel families should be supported more to keep children at home within their family and friends networks. But there's always going to be a need, really. I do think it's important to change Mm. and That's what we're trying to do um, so that children do have more links to their birth families if they can't remain within their birth families. And especially with social media and, you know, it's so easy to find people. So why wouldn't it be open? Why wouldn't you maintain those links Mm. and build the relationships between the two families, really, so it can be a really positive outcome for the children rather than a loss?
0: Yeah, Yeah, I I mean, you're scared of it, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you've articulated, I mean, this is such a rich vein, we're not even touched on that, you know, And in, in normal circumstances, the whole social media and contact and all that kind of stuff. Um, We probably will have to get you back on to talk about some other things, again, <laughs> if you will, kicking and screaming. But um, I know that you're not, you're have you, either of you ever been involved in assessing prospective adopters? Yes. Well, yes. Scott <laughs> has a question for you about well, oh, it's, yeah. it's, It's
1: more of a reflective question than a, you know, what would you do? (laughs) But I'm going to ask you, what are you going to, what would you do? So um, uh, there was a podcast a couple of months ago from New Family Social um, about um, ethical, um, non-ethical, ethical ethical non-monogamy. I was going to say non-ethical monogamy. That would have been a totally (laughs) different thing. different thing. So ethical non-monogamy, meaning open relationships um, within partners. And then on to... Adopting children. And the the host and the guest were both in these kinds of relationships. Um, and uh, what happened from that was um, we had we, we got contacted by um, uh, Zach and his uh, wife, who have adopted older children in America. Allison, Allison Zach and Allison, that's it. Um, and over there it's called, um, well, I think everywhere it's called, it depends on how you define yourself, it's polyamorous. And I just wondered, really, because we've not been Is able that- to get...
0: They had a third person come into their relationship, yes. didn't
1: they? Yeah, yeah. Um and I can't house. remember yeah, I can't remember when that happened and stuff, but um I think they were in that relationship before they adopted, I okay. think, from from memory anyway. And I was just wondering, I mean, if you you know, in assessment or even in placement actually, if you if you had that kind of family forward come forward, I mean, in terms of assessment, how would you how would you start that off? if they were going to be honest enough to to share it. Would you prefer them to share it? Would you prefer them to keep it a secret? You know, I mean, do you have any thoughts on that? I'm
0: so sorry. Ah.
1: <laughs> sorry, this is Al's <laughs> fault, right? And we can cut it out, actually. We can edit it and we can just say, right, Al's asked his question. But it's, it's something gone very white. <laughs> it's, an in, it's an interesting Thinking. thing because, you know, the initial podcast is a UK podcast and it's something we don't hear a lot of. And I mean, I know because I'm part of the LGBT community. I know it happens. Um, But it was really it really grabbed my attention because obviously people are bringing up children and having these relationships, um, which are you know kind of yeah.
2: Wow. No (laughs) thoughts. No. Okay. See you later.
1: I need a (laughs) wig. Never.
2: Never really. I've never thought about it. I don't do assessments anymore. Um, no. I think I've... <laughs> oh,
0: you've gone from thousands to none.
2: <laughs> I haven't done. I think it's about three years. I think um, yeah. since I did my last one. Mm. I've
3: gosh, I'd need. To, I think I'd need time to think about that one. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's
2: definitely, it's
3: definitely. It's definitely interesting, but yeah, my first thoughts are it takes lots of different people to make a family and for some children it works and for some children it wouldn't Um, (laughs) and that's why i think we've got a great um recruitment assessment team in terms of people i've worked with people that have transgendered a and you know where that sits for those children um and new partners coming in in terms of partner adoptions and things yeah and you're constantly learning learning Mm. and I don't like the idea of a one set mold for for children because that doesn't. Yeah. fit, yeah. Does it? Um, so I'd love to know more, and it's something mm. I'm going to go off and research. I'll take away from today <laughs> and ask our head of service. Oh. And every, I'll take it back to the team and ask people their thoughts. Because well, I mean, it is an yeah. interesting
1: thing, isn't it? Because it is. you know what was what was clear from the original podcast was that these these relationships were kept secret. So in yeah. terms of honesty, yeah. there was no honesty with a social worker. And also, uh, sorry. With- That's that's a lie. There was honesty with the social worker, just not about their, you know, relationship status and and stuff like that. Um, And I think a lot of that was fear um, from what I gathered. But then if we think on to, you know, what would be the chances of um, a polyamorous couple um, having a child placed for them, even if they did get through the approval process, do you know what I mean? Like, there's because there's different stages, isn't there? So it's all very well, you know, in 2006 when I was um, assessed as a same-sex couple, it's all very well being assessed by your agency who commits to taking you on, and then you go to panel and you're approved and everything's lovely. But actually, you've then got to go to that next stage of family finding, mm. where it might not for us. It definitely wasn't because you know it was a very small um, agency. So you're going outside where people don't know you. They may not have done same-sex adoptions, but, you know. So I guess, yeah, I mean, you know, I think it's a really, like you say, it's a really interesting topic. And I think that it needs, it does need a little bit of kind of research and thought. I think I
2: honesty, because obviously if it's not <laughs> assessed, there's an unassessed, There's a risk there. Mm. Um, so I would prefer someone Mm. to be open and I think we have done assessments where there's been other people living in the house maybe not in a relationship and I don't know whether you would go along that line but then have to look at the dynamics of the relationship
1: yeah yeah no I think that's better
2: better to know than yeah you know people not say anything and
1: I think that's a great reflection actually Vicky I'll be honest Oh, wh- wh- I, mean, Al, I mean, as a fostering, as a, actually, as a fostering social worker, Al. Me, let's let's do this, <laughs> right? As we've talked about it, yeah. So, what what would your thoughts be on? It? I mean, I know your personal thoughts on it because you're well, such a home. Wh- when this came up, no, I'm joking. He's not, he's not. He's not. He's not. He's not. He's not, he's not
0: he's <laughs> like, <laughs> no. When when we this came up, we lock. I locked the doors in my office and I said, "Let's talk about this." Um, <laughs> everyone everyone turned their phones off, and um, and I just think it raises the question in my head: Is what does it take? What do children need? what the children and what does specific children need. So I never really came to a conclusion. But again, that's true of any, you know, if a heterosexual couple came to you and said, can we adopt, you go, well, maybe. Well,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't <laughs> think this is this is specifically just um, same sex. It just so happens that, you know, the, the, the initial podcast was done by yeah. a, an LGBT, um, but then we came on to um, a married male-female who had a male partner as, and you know so i think it's kind of We're yeah it it's upwards. all a bit murky isn't it it's all a bit murky anyway. there you go thank you for answering <laughs> that so on and and, and and seriously thank you for answering that because it is yeah i think it's an interesting topic that actually we don't know much about and i think that you know um claire for, for you to say you're going to go back at that age so. <laughs> <laughs> good luck <laughs>
0: hypothetically she said yeah. in the next team meeting yeah just send me your
1: cv and i'll circulate <laughs> it for you it's fine <laughs> um, <laughs> and, joking uh, absolutely
0: L- look it's been absolutely wonderful and i hope um I'm, i just hope that the work that you're doing is just really it, it transfers beyond yeah. the, the borders of, of, of adoption counts and i think that yeah you are it seems to me like you're really progressive in and you're bearing the fruit of that and it's been wonderful to big deal would you come back on when we've got more questions about other things if your manager keeps you yeah depends on what the
3: questions are (laughs) Uh,
0: yeah no surprises this time yeah no surprises. thank
3: you yeah no thank you so much for
0: having us thank you you. and um when you've got the details of your conference we will publicize that for you and um if, if that's open to the the riffraff and the members of the public that would be wonderful so thank you so much for your time and uh look after yourself
2: thank you thank you take care thanks bye